2011, occupying Melbourne. I remember watching the mounted police forces as the crowd chanted, Get those animals off those horses. You know what happens when you call the cops? Trouble. The effects are not subtle. Just ask my man Rob Hustle. Police were created by kings to do their bidding, to beat down the senders, to pick up their weapons and burn their defences to embers. Walking around town causing problems, it's hard to stop them. Overinflated chesters, badged up revenue collectors. So many crimes without victims. The courts are backed up. But if there were no victims, why do they attack us? Then again, what were we hoping for when we told men that their word is law? Pause and reflect on the madness. Are their hearts beneath those badges? If so, when king, commissioner or priest tells you to do his bidding, if you're about giving, if you're about that living, if you're about thinking, if you want to make a better world for your children, you better think about quitting. My name's Kurt Robinson. Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. With an adventure story. Okay, okay. Have you got? <laughs> no, have not, you got an adventure story. No. Not, not really. Okay, okay. Um, let's see. I, I, well, I went to the. I went to the bank. I had these issues with the bank because I tried to buy silver, and this is a weird thing too. Because you know, in in Australia, I rem, I, I distinctly remember, and you've had this experience too. Uh, I, I went into uh, National Australia Bank and, and asked them. What do they know about gold certificates or silver certificates of gold or silver? And the woman just gives me this smug look like, I've never heard of that. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's totally wacko. Like who uses gold or silver anymore? Like are you living in the 19th century? It should or, be illegal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's one of their prime competitors. So, so I'm sure they'll, they'll like to keep it illegal as long as they can. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so I walked into the, the bank here. I walked into the Banco Azteca, and and this is this is a, a good thing about Mexico. You just walk straight into a bank and say, "I'd like some silver." Um, and this is a, a it's a mistake I, I'm constantly making because in in um, Spanish, as in many languages, uh, like I don't know fifty languages or something around the world, if you say silver. It it means money as well. So so, <laughs> I I always walk in and I'm like, uh, "Tienen plata? Do you, do you have silver or do you have money?" And they're like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> of course, we have money. <laughs> um, and then you know, after that, I, I I managed to explain myself a bit better, uh, and um, yeah, they get I you know, loaned me up a couple of ounces of silver. 
Um, and, uh, you know, it's all good, except except this week it's it's been a bit weird because I walk in there and they have the silver in their hand and they're like, you know, ready to sell it to me. Uh, but then the woman is like, ah, uh, I can't sell it to you. The system's down. Uh which is, I guess that's not so so unusual. I mean, that kind of stuff happens at 7-Eleven. Except it, it's happened like five days in a row. Every, every Well, three three days this week I've walked in there and asked them about it and they're like, nope, system's down. <laughs> Was that the problem today? Yeah, yeah. So okay. they, have, they have the silver and they just, they can't sell it. And I'm like, what kind of way is this to run a business? Like you just... You have the product sitting right there, and you just can't sell it to me because of a systems issue. Yeah, they don't. And, they don't care. Yeah, and they don't. Then you know, not willing to fix it, or don't really care to fix it. Like, <laughs> who who else except a major bank could run a business this way? Where you walk in and say, "Hello, I would like to buy," and they're like, "Yes, we'd like to sell you, but we're not going to." Well, let's not scratch the surface of that issue. Yeah, but, but I've had the same the same thing, same bank. Mm. Um, except last time I bought, um, well, actually not not last time, but you know recently, yeah. I, I bought the ones out of the window because they, they didn't have any left, <laughs> which is why I thought today maybe they never had any. But I've never had a systems issue, I don't think. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of the time they just don't have it. Like they they always tell me, oh, you know, it's okay. Just go to the Electra around the corner because Electra is a is a bank always take a branch as well, and as well as selling iPods and and refrigerators and whatever. Uh, um, this is this is how this is the brilliant uh, business plan of the banks. Like we'll sell you these things on credit. Uh, so yeah, but every time I walk into the 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 Electra, they're like, no, we don't have any. It's and they say it's it's compraventa like it's a pawn shop. We buy we buy and sell. So if we don't buy any, we can't sell you any. Uh, so what yeah. are we gonna do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's rumors of of the silver shortage, but um, like there was an article on the Dollar Vigilante the other day uh, where Jeff Berg had some correspondence with uh, Price Salinas, the, the 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 guy who. He's a major shareholder or the owner of of Banco Azteca, and um, and and the the implication of the article was that there was a silver shortage. But this kind of this in the in the precious metals community it seems to happen every year. Every year the, there's like some backwardation. Um, you can't get a hold of the silver for for a month, or they you know you can get a hold of it, but it'll take you a month to get a hold of it, or something like that. Um, it seems to happen every year, and every year, um, people say, "Well, maybe it's time. You know, maybe silver is about to to, to rally up to to a hundred or to to five hundred or a thousand dollars. Yeah, five thousand. Why not aim for the moon, shoot at the stars, whatever." <laughs> but I do understand why they can throw out these crazy numbers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When, when you look at a, a commodity that has a, a certain supply. Yep. And you know, you're increasing money supply. Well the commodity's only gonna be what it is. Mm-hmm. It's obviously the I don't know, but then access to it. It's um I mean we've we've talked about exit strategies, like, you know, okay, at the moment we're having trouble getting it, but what happens when we want to sell it? Let's say it's worth five thousand, mm. five fifty. Let's say it's worth fifty bucks mm. and I and I wanna sell it. It's like who do we sell it to and are we gonna get that price? I don't know. But the whole thing's kind of 
interesting. <laughs> that's, that's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. And don't want to go into too much detail because there's other episodes on that, <laughs> on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. Yeah, the thing I mean, the thing about silver is and and gold as well. Like I heard someone in an interview the other day make this this analogy. Like, um, say, if you give somebody some piece of furniture or something like a chair, or you know, you give them a book, uh, maybe they'll hold on to it. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll pass it on. Maybe they'll just leave it on a, on a shelf for a while and throw it out. Um, but if you give someone a gold coin. Normally, like 99% of the time, that person will hold on to it and they won't just give it away to, to somebody. Um, they will keep it and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll sell it for an approximation for its value if they, if they sell it. And, that, and that's demand. So there's all this demand for silver and gold and it doesn't really go down that much. Um, the demand is still there, and the the demand is there even if somebody's locked the silver away in the in the in the bottom drawer or wherever. Um, it's it's still there, and it, and the thing about silver more more than gold is silver is being consumed. It's like used in all these devices, used in iPhones and iPads and, and every smartphone, and yeah, um. Yeah, medical uses compared to sterile. Yeah, gold where gold's being recycled, silver's being eaten. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's still relatively cheap. Anyway, so that was my that was my fun day at the bank. Paddington goes to the bank. Kurt's version. Yeah, I was like walking down to the bank. It's just, <laughs> it's just disheartening when you walk home and you're still carrying. Paper money, yeah, not fucking uh, hundreds of pesos. Who who wants that shit? Yeah, but I've, I I asked the woman <laughs> like on Wednesday. She was like, "Okay, well, you know, you don't have to come down here. Just call call this number, and they'll be able to tell you if the system works." And I was like, "Okay, all right, all right. Well, that's you know that makes it a little more convenient for me." So today I called the number, and and the guy's like, "Bueno," and he's like, Every, "Everything's good," you know. I asked him, systems working? And he's like, yeah, you know, you can come in, buy silver, whatever. And I'm like, great. I go down there and <laughs> uh, and I'm like, well, the guy on the phone said everything was cool. And she was like, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm like, so you gave me the number of an idiot. <laughs> and he's like, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, no, no denying the fact. See, I, I wonder, do you, do you feel like maybe it's a big conspiracy against you? At the moment, <laughs> that that never crossed my mind. The other, I mean, I did have this conspiracy theory in my mind. Like, I mean, the the um, silver is difficult to attain right now, uh, and uh, it would make sense if the banks want to hold on to it and sell it at a better price later when the spot price goes up. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. What is there's that red button under the desk? Press it, and and the system fails. <laughs> See, I've thought the exact same thing because, I mean, months ago I experienced the, the same issues. I'd go into the bank and the people behind the, you know, the half-inch thick glass, yeah, is, they're always real smug and they kind of, you know, like it's just a big fun game, you know, I was clocking at nine, I'm out of here at five, I don't, <laughs> I don't care, you know, I, why would you even want to buy this useless 
fancy, shiny coin anyway. They're not worth anything. <laughs> right? This is the impression I get from the person behind the, the counter. Yeah, like, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're so, they're working in the bank and they, they deal with this stuff, but they're, they're so distant mm. from, from the operation that they're actually, from the wealth they're actually transferring. They don't, they don't know what they're actually doing, mm. Mm. Um, which always, it, it annoys me a little bit because it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to hang out with, to try to deal with these, with these people that just don't care what they're, what they're doing. Like, it's just poor service. Nobody likes shit service. Yeah. That's the problem. I don't know. They're always they're always rather um, accommodating for me. But uh, yeah, I mean, the first time I went in there and asked for it, the, the guy was a little puzzled, and he, he he I asked him, "Does it come in a capsule or just as it is?" And and he's like, "Ah, uh, let me check." So <laughs> so it's it's quite obvious that they don't sell a whole lot. And you said that when you asked the guy, he was like, "Oh, maybe two ounces a day they move." Yeah, yeah, which isn't isn't a whole lot yeah mm. but i don't know maybe maybe two two coins a day is um, a reasonable amount i don't know when it depends i mean obviously if, if you're running a bank and it's your side hustle i guess it's okay if you're running a coin shop you're going out of business with those numbers <laughs> um true yeah no you know you, you know what considering we're in a big city that's that's nothing Mm. No, no one's no one's buying silver here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's rather strange. I mean, people do have in Mexico; they they tend to have a better grasp of the the significance of precious metals than people in Australia or the US. Mm. And still, not many people really do. <laughs> I, I think it's a lack of of cash flow. Mm. I think mm. I think people just don't have. The, the money. I mean, I, I personally am I'm feeling the pinch of, of living in the Mexican economy yeah. because you don't, unless you can draw money from, from external sources mm. or, you, or you have a, a good inflow, unless you have a good job or you've got a good business, mm. it's, um, it's, it can be pretty tough because I can see a lot of like, un- unemployment's, um, I'm assuming, is high. I see, I mean, it feels that way. Mm. But going to, I mentioned going to the market to this morning and it was it was dead mm. for the first time i noticed there was there was nobody there in comparison in comparison to be walking down the aisles between the, the stalls and not oh. being able to walk yeah. and then now it's like it was like uh, it was like a public holiday but uh, what, what kind of market are you talking about a street market or an enclosed market no street street market okay and yeah, they're, sell, they're selling food and clothes and and Buckets yeah, everything from yeah vegetables to makeup to okay. you know stones, you know, just like a like a flea market. All right, all right. And yeah. it, and it was it was empty. I, I felt I felt bad for the people selling because you know it wasn't it wasn't worth them coming out today. Mm. And uh, Joanna commented to me that it's you know it's the it's the week where nobody gets paid, so there's no money. It just uh, it just feels weird to me. Say hey, there. every single. Business has the same pay cycle. <laughs> um, well, Everybody, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> well, you know the number one business, <laughs> uh, ripping people off, is it? Um, that's that's uh, who, who's ripping who off? The government <laughs> or the government employees ripping off the government? <laughs> Which is uh, any any way you look at it. Well, <laughs> I mean, the you know the tax collectors gathered gathered the money and then the the, the bureaucrats distributed and. 
and uh, everybody gets a little piece of the action. The Don gets his cut and and uh, everybody's happy. Yeah. Well, the, the non-Dons get a little cut and it <laughs> apparently doesn't make it through the two weeks. It makes it one week and if you're setting up or trying to sell in a street market, the non-paying week, you feel it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Not that I was carrying a load of cash, but it's um it's tough out there if it's not if there's no money getting sloshed around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I always had this experience when I'm working in a call center. Someone would call me up and and uh, they'd say, "Oh, gee, uh, I don't have I don't have the money. I I didn't realize that that I had to pay my insurance this." this week or this month or whatever <laughs> um, and it would blow my mind like how did these people survive in life like I, I see money in my account I'm just going to spend it do, 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 do. <laughs> ah I forgot I'm an adult I have responsibilities do, 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 do. <laughs> what happened <laughs> you know and then they go they, they get they get broke <laughs> and they have no idea how it happened well it happened because you're you're a fucking imbecile you're an adult with the mind of a child who doesn't know how to manage his finances that's what happened <laughs> um yeah <laughs> okay that, that's a funny little example which mm. i think we should probably expand on mm. because i think in general people know how to manage money okay okay i think in general people they I mean, there's a pretty fixed amount coming in on a weekly or fortnightly, monthly basis, yeah. and they have a, they have an idea of their their expenditure. Mm. I wasn't exposed to very many people that lived um, that type of Homer Simpson economy <laughs> on like a, on like a week to week, paycheck yeah. to paycheck style of of life. Yeah, yeah. I I, I never lived like that. Mm. This that would stress me out too much, and just even being around people mm. like that would make me uncomfortable. But now I feel like I'm in a country where the whole everything works like that, <laughs> and it's scary. <laughs> it's uh, it's frightening because I I feel like everyone around me is in the same situation, mm. and you know, and and we're all aware of our economic situation. Mm. It's like uh, even even trying to do business with people. It's um, everything's everything's cash and everything's you know on on a need basis. So it's like you know I better not put an order in for for too many kilos of coffee, for example, because I just don't know if I'm going to need it this week. So mm. can you can you deliver me half a kilo twice a week? Like everyone's working twice as hard because they just can't manage. Mm. And I think that's that's a problem that that more people have than I realized. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, like I said, it's a little bit jolting. Like, it's, it's a scary thing because, yeah. you know, I, I just don't know how people are comfortable. Like, stress is the number one killer. And, you know, and, and people do that to themselves. Is that, is that a fact or are you just making up a little um, factoid there? I, no, you, okay. I, I'm not going to quote that from any medical journals, okay. but I'm pretty <laughs> sure stress is the number one killer. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's uh, I'm I'm sure it's up there. I'm sure there's a lot of bad things about stress. Yeah, I, I think a lot of cancers grow out of stress. <laughs> Liquefied stress. Don't, don't take the stress out of your diet. Don't don't add any stress on on the top of your steak because uh, you know uh, a lot of people do that. It's a bad habit. 
it goes directly into your arteries and and turns into righteous indignance and there's a whole bunch of medical problems associated with that. All right. Well, I'm going to give you a little medical advice. Yeah. Consume as much sugar as you want, as much alcohol as you want, smoke as much as you want. Just don't stress (laughs) and you'll be be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, You're you're not a doctor, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not saying you're going to live very long, but I'm saying you're going to live well. Okay, and you'd be okay. happy for the meantime. <laughs> okay, that's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So that was a that, that was a long intro story, but we were we were going to talk about our old friends, the guy, the the men in blue, the gang that runs this city and many other cities, the big the biggest gang, some of the biggest gangs in the world, the police, the cops. Yeah. The <laughs> the Blue Jays, the Fuzz, the Five O, the Piggies, <laughs> the Pork Muffins, the the Chicharron of the world. Yeah, they really are the Chicharron, aren't they? <laughs> That's a perfect analogy. The Chicharron being the fried pig skin. Yeah, yeah, pork pork bellies, fried up. Nice, cool. So, okay, how did I mean? Where do we start? Where do we start? Let's see. Um, they, uh, it's it's criminal. It's like it's, it's a joke in front of everyone. The the people that parade to be justice and peace and there to serve mm. are the ones that um, are usually the opposite. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a whole there's there's a whole i don't even know where to start on this topic cuz cuz it's a whole deep subject very deep very wide very uh profound and and has many dimensions to it um, okay yeah Let, let's let's tackle it um we've been in mexico for for a year or so now mm. um and there's a big difference between mexico and australia it's a, it's a pretty good subjective playing field to start with okay Okay, um, the biggest shock I had coming to Mexico and dealing with police mm. was that they all leave their lights on and they're <laughs> always on. Like the police lights are on all the time. Even if they, they've stopped at, at uh, um, the, the 7-Eleven or the Oxford yeah. to, to go in, you know, to grab a Gatorade um, and a donut. I, yeah. I don't know if they do that. It's <laughs> TV. Um, let's say they did. The truck's outside with the lights on. Yeah, and it's like... Okay, from from a non-light um, exposed um, <laughs> police background, from a non-police light, a light owning perspective. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, in Australia, they don't have their lights on unless there's trouble. So you come to Mexico and there's lights on everywhere all the time, and it's like someone's getting robbed, someone's got run over, there's been an accident. Like you're assuming things are happening, but they're not. It's just the police hanging out. The police are just chilling. Yeah, and sh- aren't those lights? Ah, they must be- give so many people migraines or something. <laughs> epilepsy. I don't know. Like, why? Why would you do that? I, I don't understand their logic. Um, yeah, I mean, so of course, in in Australia, um, you can't really bribe the police. If if you wanted to bribe the police, at least regular people, regular like lower middle class people can't bribe the police. If you run uh, a a large criminal organization yeah you probably can i mean you see it in like that there was that tv series underbelly and they should they show that the scene where 
Um, the, the it's a guy's first day on the job as a police officer, and he's a desk jockey. And uh, somebody walks in and says, "Hey, it's lunchtime," and he starts throwing out sandwiches. And the kid opens a sandwich and, and reveals like um, several hundred dollar bills, and is just shocked. Couldn't can't believe that that uh, that such an institution could be so corrupt. Um, so I mean that that story is uh, I mean that that there's a lot of fictional things in that TV series, but it is based on true stories, and and of course the you know there's police corruption. There's wherever you find people, just about people with power, there's, you'll find corruption. Um, but yeah, for regular people, like if if a police officer pulls you over, um, then you can't just pull out fifty dollars and say hey. Forget about it because that's going to get you in a world of trouble because the police get paid enough that they don't need to accept your bribes. Um, but here, they they don't. So they will accept your bribes and they do and they actively go looking for bribes. I mean, it's it's probably, you know, I mentioned Australia and when you when you grow up in a, third, in a first world country and, and think, um, uh, think in a first world country, kind of way uh, a you know developed world way where they they pay police officers as well you probably think that that's even normal that that it's not normal to bribe a police officer but i'm pretty sure in most of the world that's just what you do that's like <laughs> that's yeah. just a part of life yeah to to tell someone here in mexico that you know no you never you never even think about it you don't even hmm. suggest it to bribe a, a police officer, hmm. it's like, what, what are you crazy? How does anything get done? <laughs> How is that even possible? Yeah. So, so yeah. what happens? What happens? It's like it's this big, uh, you know, uh, mystery world of what happens next. They they actually write out. They actually work. <laughs> they they do something. Perhaps right they. Uh, right and then what? <laughs> and then what happens? Um, I, I know that's what my cousins were enthralled with the idea that you know you couldn't just bribe a policeman <laughs> it's like that that would just seems wrong <laughs> doesn't it yeah well um i know i know which system i prefer i made this comment before like like the the police in mexico or in in any place where they don't pay the police very well where they're corruptible it's it's actually a good thing um on the surface doesn't seem like a good thing but it's it is better because it reduces the the power of centralized organizations. So, so the the government, if the government makes a decree saying uh, nobody can wear yellow on Sundays, well, yeah, I mean they can say that they can they can you know dance around in the ivory towers and, and make this declaration, but that's not actually what's going to happen. Uh, people are still going to be wearing yellow on Sundays, and and po- police officers will will get a little a few extra tips. Uh, that's what will actually happen. Whereas in Australia, if if uh, if if a central government, um, if the, the the federal government makes a declaration like that, yeah, it will be respected um, to to some extent. And you would never see yellow <laughs> on Sunday ever again. Probably not. I mean, when was the when's the last time you saw a, a cyclist in Australia without a helmet? I mean, that doesn't happen very often because because it, it's a a penalty in Australia for riding a bicycle without a helmet. Why I, why take the risk? Why sell your bike? <laughs> 
what sell your bike to pay the fine what do you mean <laughs> well I, I just mean you know just in case you wanted to ride your bike and you yeah. didn't have a helmet couldn't find your helmet or, or stolen yeah it was like well you may as well just ditch your bike because mm. uh, you know you could try and sell your bike but you but you pretty get i mean if you're going to ride home you're going to get fined more it's just, it's just not worth the hassle, is it? Yeah, they might. They, I think the fine is like two hundred dollars or something like that. It's more than a hundred uh, Australian dollars. Um, so, yeah, I, I can only think of like one time in my life where I actually saw a couple of people riding a bicycle in public with without a helmet. Uh, so, although is, although yeah. the the law here in Mexico is you need to have a helmet, you need to wear your helmet, right? You know, the police aren't the ones, well, okay, there's different levels of police here too, but the police aren't going to, aren't going to inform or aren't going to enforce that law. Mm. And the transit cops, the ones that actually do enforce those laws, they're not going to, they're not going to bother pulling you up. Mm. Why? Like some kid without a helmet, that's his problem. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people that like to say things like, well, you know, it's just a a few bad apples. Uh, The police are all right. You know, they believe the police protect us and all this kind of thing. Um, And I I guess if you maybe if you have certain experiences of the police, that that might be easy to believe. Um, And and if you have a certain class in in society, maybe maybe that helps. If you you know if you know the right people, your uncle is a judge, or whatever it is, then you're going to have a certain experience. Um, Or just if you, for whatever reason, you never you never actually um, go into the have the have the experience of of dealing with the police, or you know your only experience is is walking into the police station to. to talk to them, um, you know, in that case, it's probably rather amicable. Um, but if you have some, uh, if you have some some experiences with police in in other circumstances, uh, then you get a very different perspective. Uh, and I mean, from the base of it, police are there. Um, most of the time, they're not there to uphold the law or, you know, make sure justice gets done or to, to, to protect people. Um, a lot of the time, they're there to extract money from people. Uh, that's what happens in Australia. Like, normally, if if you stop to talk to police, it's probably at a random breath test. And, and what are they, you know, they're, they're doing it um, so they can fine you if you do happen to be a little bit over the limit or whatever. Um, or, you know, your speeding ticket, you ran a red light or whatever, some victimless crime, some something that's rightly should not even be called a crime. Um, so these people, um, they, I mean, of course, the other thing people say is, well, they're just doing their job. Uh, and I have to say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean when you say they're just doing their job? I mean, what does that really mean? just doing their job. Does that mean they have some kind of free pass to do any despicable act that you can imagine? 
just because somebody told them to do it, just because they're getting paid to do it, does that make it good or right? Of course it doesn't. And and the answer is obvious if you do any <laughs> any kind of analysis on this question. Um, so I remember one time I, I was kind of doing the wrong thing, more or less. What happened was um, there was a flood warning in my hometown and um, uh, my friends and I decided to, to go into the, the evacuated area because we thought it would be fun and just uh, just mess around. It might have been a kind of silly thing to do because we did have to walk ac- across a, a floodplain to do it. But on the other hand, I mean, my my hometown, even though it had this flood warning out, I knew the, the um, I'd seen the, the flood mitigation scheme and actually my hometown, like my suburb, would be the very last place to flood. Um, they direct the, the flood waters over the, the, um, the, the plains, the, where the, the, the farmland before they direct it over any suburb. Um, anyway. So the thing is, we went, we went in and we, you know, we're in this uh, evacuated area and we're kind of messing around and we, we saw the police and we're like, oh shit, let's hide. And we like run and scrambled into, into a tree and uh, run into a paddock or something and st- <laughs> jump, jump up to, into a tree so, that, so they don't see us. Um, but uh, I, I, I kind of chicken out jumping over a fence or something and, and I, I just, I was like, oh, well, whatever, I'll just go up and talk to them. Um, but the experience I had was just, uh, these police officers, in, instead of, you know, saying, well, come on, you know, this it's time to get out of here and try to appeal to my reason and, you know, con- convince me to leave of my own accord. Instead, they decided to start interrogating me and threatening me. Um, and one, one of them started saying stuff like, well... You know, you're you're out here messing around like an idiot. Why don't I just slam your face onto the pavement right now? Yeah, yeah. Why? Why not? Because of course that's what any you know rational, intelligent human being would do, right? It's not something that uh like a silverback gorilla would do. Um. So, so I said, well, that gee, that seems a bit excessive. Uh. And he said, excessive. You're some kind of expert on that, are you, mate? <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, I'm not an expert in that. Uh, and he shut me down, um, more or less. Uh, so it's like playing this 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 primitive status game, which I've seen guys do, do similar things in, in nightclubs, and it's just like trying to extract their power, like uh, like trying to emasculate somebody for fun. Uh, um, and it's kind of... It's it's just it's something that belongs in in uh, a kindergarten. If it belongs anywhere, <laughs> it doesn't belong among rational adults. That's that's definitely not where it belongs. Um, but this this is this is the way they, they treat people, or at least these uh, these couple of guys. And um, and this and they're they're asking me questions, and they and they they're like, um, well. What have you got in your pockets, mate? I'm like, why, why should I have to show you what's in my pockets? And they're like, you got something to hide, have you? <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, whatever. I mean, obviously, this, uh, I, I actually I didn't have anything at all to hide. So I'm like, well, 
I'm fuck it. I'll, I'll just show them what's in my pockets. It doesn't matter anyway. Um, uh, nowadays, I would have. I, I probably would have stood up to them and said, "Well, that's none of your business." I mean, why don't you? You know, maybe you should show me what's in your pockets since we're all getting friendly here. I mean, do you have anything to hide, or you know, tell me tell me your details? And I probably asked them their their badge number and whatever. Um, but in in those days, I wasn't so savvy with those matters. So where you know, I, I give him the guy the, my wallet and whatever pieces of scrap paper that are that are in my pocket, and he looks through it and and, uh, and then uh, this uh, you know this genius decides to instead of handing my wallet back to me like like a reasonable person, he puts it on the pavement. So he's like deliberately trying to provoke a response. He's deliberately trying to, to, to make me aggressive so then he can cart me off and, and claim that I was assaulting him. And, and this is really extremely childish. This is like the lowest, the lowest of the low. This is actually, this, I've seen similar behavior from uh, people I might describe as street rats, like, like juvenile delinquents, people um, who try to challenge you to a fight, but they don't want to actually... Take, take the first swing because they know that that uh, gives them more liability. So what they'll do is taunt and taunt and taunt until somebody uh, in, until they get a reaction, and then they can say, "Wow, I was just defending myself, Judge. I was just defending myself, Your Honor." This kind of fucking bullshit that that no civilized human being should actually do. This is the kind of thing. That these police officers were doing, and, and this—I mean, this is in my hometown, in a regional town in New South Wales, in Australia. I have heard that to some extent, police officers are more reasonable in cities because maybe because they actually have something to do. Um, regional police officers just have have nothing to do except pick on people. Well, these um, cops are waiting for the tide to rise. <laughs> what for the flood waters or what do you yeah, mean <laughs> yeah I mean you know how the, the tide changes and the flood all, all of a sudden just gets out of control <laughs> uh, I mean I'm okay. not sure if I was there um, no no I, I remember the I remember well where I grew up wasn't very far away yeah so you know the, the tide changes and the, the water can go back the other way and it's all kinds of yeah. all kinds of trouble but can you imagine being a, a cop just hanging out and just waiting for that to happen just making sure there's no one hanging around. Not that I'm defending this particular policeman, but uh, maybe those behaviors are in their training, you know, to place articles on the floor. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I think to, to some extent they are. And they, they're, I'm sure they're trained in many, like some kind of neuro-linguistic programming or, or some, kind of, um, some, some kind of thing where they attempt to manipulate others' behavior. Um, I'm, I mean, to some extent, it makes sense to have that in your repertoire as a police officer, um, mm. but not in the way that this guy was using it. Uh, no. And, yeah. Anyway, I mean, I hadn't done anything wrong. They they and uh, I just, uh, I, I laughed at him and this guy is like, do you think this is a joke, mate? Like, what are you thinking? You know, this is serious. They're, they're, they've issued a flood warning. And I'm like, well... You know the flood warning's a joke. It's not, it's not going to flood here. <laughs> it's just it's not going to happen. It's so unlikely. And then he starts talking all this nonsense, like uh, 
he uh, trying to fast talk me and bullshit me, uh, telling me how um, the some they put out some executive order or they passed some law overnight so they could uh, evacuate people from this area, and that's why it's so so serious. It's making this complex, um, convoluted argument from authority, uh, and and at that stage I was just like, okay, well. I'm just going to nod my head and, and pretend that, that I, I think is, you know, what he's saying is really serious. So, so we get the fuck out of my face. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, so I went, I went on my way. And uh, I do remember as we, as we were walking back over the bridge, we ran into some other police officers and they're like, oh, where are you going? And I said, oh, I'm just going to uh, my friend's house on, on the hill. And they're like, okay, be safe. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of what a, 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 a normal person would do. <laughs> little contrast. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about the conversation that cops might have around their, let's say their water cooler. Like, you know, it's common mm. in the office to, to congregate and talk stories about your experience at work. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine just all the crap that cops would be talking about? And I found this guy doing this and then, you know, well, I found, you know, I was called out to visit this family at this house and then this yeah. happened and it was just, I mean, you are, you are just drowning in, in shit mm. all the time. Mm. Like, you know, you know, you're never called out to, to attend, you know, a, a good thing or a good event or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like there, there's nothing good about what, what you're doing. I, I would seriously want to pass a message to anyone that's considering joining the police force or army, or any any force, um, you know, government controlled. Yeah, you'd, you'd want to reconsider what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. there, there's no there's no nice good life that's going to come out of that. Yeah. Um, it's funny as you're telling your story. I remember in a dream that I had last mm-hmm. night. I was like, I forgot I had it, but it just came back. Similar kind of thing. Um, <laughs> I was I was hanging out at home with friends. Someone turned up with this, with like a, a biscuit maker, which I guess is like a, a bread maker, because it <laughs> had good. it had yeah. No, it's it, a market for it. It was really cool. It had a, it's got a few layers of like a few shelves that you put day old bread yeah. on the shelf, and you press a button, and it falls through the like the shelves and turns into biscuits. <laughs> it's like, a, like okay, a, yeah, well, and 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 these, obviously something we need to invent. How do you transmogrify? Bread into biscuits. They were really good. Um, And we left. I'm not sure why. Maybe to a party or something. And we were confronted by a squad of policemen Mm. where they quite... um, They were looking for contraband biscuits. Quite aggressively told me to put the biscuit down. Mm. And I was like, this this is a good biscuit. If it goes on the floor, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not losing this. So (laughs) So I literally just crammed it into my mouth. <laughs> and uh, and the you know three guys came at me. Uh, I'm Krav Maga these guys up, and then uh, and I was like, they're gonna send more guys. I better run. <laughs> and I literally took off, and I'm running like through like this urban environment, like, a few buildings. I remember going upstairs, mm. uh, and they they sent dogs after me. And I was like, dogs, you don't have any problem with me, police dog. Mm. Like you're just a, you should be at home. <laughs> like why why are they subjecting you to this kind of this kind of work. And the, did the dog buy your argument? 
Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah, good. we became friends <laughs> and, and we're cool. I remember he was like, he went from barking to trying to lick me. I was like, hey, we're not that cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, this is an interesting twist too because, in, you know, following the, the story of your dreams where a, a giant animal attacks you like a bull or a lion, mm. um, you know, this, this is a... Uh, this this is a twist on the theme because in in the past like they they full on ran at you and yeah <laughs> now I'm taming these beasts yeah yeah so I think it's I'm, I'm obtaining control over um, something mm. perhaps myself mm. or uh, this reality or the dream um, but I was like I shouldn't be I shouldn't be scared of of a of what should be a household pup mm. Uh, and it just it just occurred to me why um you know that these dogs didn't choose to become police officers mm, mm. That's, it's a bit a bit sad really yeah yeah it is um well i mean if you want to talk police stories i don't really have any good ones the thing is <laughs> i've got a lot of police family yeah. in mexico and in australia ah so you know i i understand that there's a, there's a certain culture that that is there that maybe shouldn't be like um, I was just on Facebook last week, um, there was there was an article that was that was put up by um, by police family that was about talking about trying to change that culture and like you know children shouldn't be scared of policemen. Mm, mm. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how old you were when you're running around um, countryside there, you know, trying to okay, get away from during the, flood. the flood warning. Well, that was uh, I don't know when was the flood in in Newcastle and Maitland. That was like like. Uh, 2007, 2006, right. so 2007. So you're like early twenties. Yeah, but I mean, like I'm sure there's there's plenty of kids that it's like on one hand the floods kind of exciting. They mm. they don't they don't consider all the the dangers to it, and it's like you know the school might get flooded. How cool is that? <laughs> it's kind of funny. So of course they're not going to take any of this seriously. But you know, police kids shouldn't be scared of policemen. And, and mm. I'm not sure why why that comes about. Um, mm. I know I know here in Mexico with these lights have it on all the time. I I see the lights and I'm like, oh, crap! Was I speeding? Did I just go through a, a red light? Did I didn't I stop at a stop sign? Like you know, I get all self conscious and critical, and it's just like, and the cops are just hanging out. Yeah, like you know, yeah. they, they just want to show police presence, and it's got nothing to do with you know me not following the road rules, but you know this. Subconsciously, I seem to manifest in my mind this highway patrol car in my revision mirror, and like that is that is a trauma. <laughs> don't, don't you think? Like I, I shouldn't I yeah. shouldn't be traumatized yeah. whenever I see you know the uh, the protective blue and red flashing lights of <laughs> the police. Protective mother. <laughs> I don't know what the protect. Maybe they are protect. I guess they I guess they acts as a deterrent to some extent. Well, okay, you're um, you know you're uh, a young female walking home from work. Yeah. Um, you finished at eight. It's now you know coming on dark, and you can see there's um, say going through Chapultepec, mm. and you have got those um, policemen on those Segway type vehicles. It's like, and they got their little yep. red, red and blue flashing lights, and it's like you know what, I feel a little bit safer. Like I feel like nothing, you know, no one's gonna try and mug me. No one's gonna take my bag. Because there's there's cops here. Like I can understand yeah. why you'd want. Do you people know. really feel like that? Mm, I, I don't know if people feel like that. I mean, the the concern is too. I mean, police officers 
in in a lot of cases they don't get prosecuted where other people might be and so that means it actually increases the risk of of rape uh, especially of rape i mean also of theft you know they can aggressively demand a bribe and there's, i mean there's countless cases in the united states especially i guess those are the ones uh i'm not sure if it's because they're the most bizarre or just because it's it's better publicized and people uh, people pay more attention like organizations like Coplock but th- things like women uh, subjected to some kind of uh, vaginal examination and they get the, the some kind of gynecologist in there to examine to, to make sure that there's no cocaine in in her pussy or some shit some just totally bizarre stories and you you just think how could that even happen what kind of world and what kind of level of of sanity do these people have that they can do these things and and well the one that they can do them two that they can get other people involved in their crazy little schemes and three that they don't get prosecuted yeah well you know where the majority of these crazy stories these bizarre stories come from Mm. and like you know i see them on youtube coming from the u.s yeah. All, all the time. Yeah. And, you know, talking family that are Mexican police, they they have to laugh about these examples mm. of what's happening in the US because they think, how is this possible? Mm. Here in Mexico, it's it seems like they've really tightened all that up in the last 10 years. Yeah. For, for what I gather, um, this doesn't, it doesn't happen. Um, like, um Considering the level um, of the, the police that my, that my family is involved in, like you know, um, one of my one of my uncles has to um, investigate himself any of these stories that come out, any complaint uh-huh. from the public about policemen, he has to go and interview, possibly interrogate mm. one of his own men and say, you know, what's going on here, and, and, and that could affect his bonus. All right. You know the okay, policemen okay. in Mexico get paid bonuses. No, I didn't know that. Um, depending on other, other than bribes, they get paid bonuses. They get double pay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm. It's like yeah. maybe they should. They maybe should bring in like an incentive for uh, senior police in uh, other than, than Mexico. I mean, it seems crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't don't quote me on on they get a bonus. They probably call it something else. There's <laughs> um, probably another name for it, but essentially, Easy it's kickback. Yeah, it's it's essentially a um, a, uh, a higher award if you uh, you know s- obtain certain quotas mm. and if your team is uh, clean. Mm. So I mean, I'm not quotas, saying but what quotas for what? Um, you know how many delinquents they bring in, or how how many um, the the quantity of, of drug that they can bring in. Okay, well that's just that's awful. Yeah, everything. I mean, there's. Um, that's, a, that's a perverse incentive, right there. It just gives, yeah, gives gives police officers all the wrong incentives. I mean, a, a I'm not police saying it's a good thing. Yeah, well, not, that part isn't. I mean, the the part about officers being clean that makes sense, but um, but uh, incentives about the amount of arrests they make. I mean, the the ideal police, um, the ideal police officer never arrests anybody. Because he never has to arrest anybody, because he maintains peace in the society. That's going to be a hard balance, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you look at look at these interviews 
with the the guy that runs the Detroit Threat Management Center, and you're like, wow, this guy's yeah, good example. Taking taking it to this other level, like um, they they do, they absolutely do go out of their way to promote peace in the society, uh, and um, they they have great results with that. And but they, yeah. these these guys, they're they're working on their own merit, aren't they? There's no there's no mm-hmm. government funding. There's That's no right. there's nothing. They're they're like um, devoting or giving up their own time um, to create teams to look into and just uh, monitor how the community's going. Yeah, so they get uh, they get paid for escorts. Like if somebody's got say you know armor guard or some some uh, armored van. Um, some some VIP needs to be escorted through a certain area um, to go to a meeting. Uh, then they'll they'll take up the the contract for that, and that gives them enough resources to go around a, a lot of communities in Detroit and um, make sure everything is okay and and even resolve disputes like dom- domestic violence or something like that. And not with the not with the intention of prosecuting someone from a, with with assault, but just with the the pure intention of protecting people, making sure people are okay, and and trying to find the best resolution. This is like the first example of uh, of privatized police. Uh, it's not the first example, but it but it is a prominent example, and it's a very good example. It's a, okay. the privatized police actually has a has a, a, a rather long history. Um, I mean, there's. There's a lot of examples. Uh, San Francisco used to have a, a private police force, and and there are like volunteer police organizations. Um, things like in in the Wild West, I believe. I mean, the the sheriff was uh, elected, but he wasn't. You wouldn't exactly say he's from the government because there wasn't exactly a government there. That's <laughs> what we call it, um, the Wild West. They call it the Wild <laughs> West. It wasn't all that wild. Um, it, it wasn't as wild as as uh, what people have heard, as, as you know, as what you see in movies like Maverick or you know, The Good and the Dead or whatever it is. Good, the bad, the ugly, the good, good and the dead. No, the quick and the dead. Tombstone, whatever. <laughs> Wired up. Well, this okay. The concept of privatized police, yeah, is reasonably new to me. Okay, and, and I think okay. most people that that I talk to about, you know, increasing privatization. When you when you bring up privatizing police, mm. because they've got this pre-existing disdain for police as yep. they are, it's like, yep. whoa, privatizing that is gonna be really bad. <laughs> they they can't fathom what, what what it could be. Yeah, yeah. But you have to you have to introduce the idea that, well, privatization means choice. Like, you know, Maybe you really hate McDonald's. Maybe you hate McDonald's food with a passion, and you think it's dirty and and tastes terrible, tastes like mouthwash, and, and uh, you would never eat there in a million years. But you know, every time you walk past a McDonald's restaurant, there are actually about ten or a hundred other restaurants, probably in a reasonable proximity. So privatization yep. means choice. A free market means choice. In the, well, at least in the in the best scenario, um, privatization can can be part of a free market, and that means you don't have to get caught eating at McDonald's, and that means you don't have to get caught um, by the police, by the government police. 
changing times. So now, now it's my time for, for police story time. Your time to shine. I got a couple stories. Yeah. And, and I just don't know which one I should shoot first. Okay. But um, Tell us about your mate, Bazza. Okay. That was a nice selection. Baz. <laughs> Actually, right. hang on. No, wait. What else is on offer there? Okay. I want, I want to get um, the choose your own adventure thing again. Okay. The other one's about um, a, a burnout infringement oh, yeah. that never okay. happened. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, let's start, start with Bazza. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, this guy, his name isn't really Baz or Bazza. So, if you're in my friends groups and uh, and you're happy, your name is Bazza or Baz, <laughs> I'm not talking about you. <laughs> okay. Um, like we're, we're in Newcastle. Good on Newcastle. Yep. Has a reputation for, um, for violence and rowdiness. Yeah. And uh, at the time, I mean, you know, I was in early 20s, but there was a... As always on a Saturday night, a big police presence. Mm. And, you know, we've been out, got a good crew of dudes. So we've been, we've been drinking and we've walked out of the Great Northern and we walked across the road because we're heading to Customs House. Mm-hmm. And across the road, there's like a series of police cars and uh, paddy wagon in the mix there. And my friend Baz. He's never seen inside a paddy wagon before. So, you know, this, this drunken, heightened sense of being inquisitive, mm. he's stuck his head in the back of the paddy wagon. And you're like, hey, how funny. Look at Baz. He wants to, he wants to, <laughs> he wants to get in the paddy wagon. <laughs> no, Baz, that's silly. Don't be doing anything like that. <laughs> and, uh, and then out of nowhere, these cops jumped out from behind off the road there. He's out the paddy wagon, and I didn't actually hear what was said, but it would have. I, I can't even imagine what was said. I wasn't there, mm. but I know that my mate Baz was there, and then he wasn't there. Mm. He's like, um, "Excuse me, officer, have you seen um, my mate, <laughs> my mate Baz?" And I tried <laughs> describing it to him, and uh, and there's banging coming out from this paddy wagon, <laughs> like. And and knowing Baz, so a kidnapping was in process. He <laughs> looking back, it's kind of funny mm-hmm. how something can escalate so <laughs> so fast. But uh, I I know Baz quite well, and I know he's a bit loose with his words at times. And you know, he pretty said something dumb. <laughs> he pretty said a smart-ass comment to a over-aggressive policeman. I'm assuming, like, you know, you don't need working on your Saturday night out there on the streets dealing with with an endless line of drunken idiots. So you so, kidnap someone. That's what that's what any reasonable person would do if you if you're having a bad Saturday evening. The you thing kidnap is, someone. It's like, you know, I understand a kidnapping joke. Like, you know, that's That's not a joke. That, I'm that, being quite liberal funny. here. That's a, <laughs> well, Oh, you mean like as a prank. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's When I when I spoke to the policeman, he he was like, uh, okay, obviously my mate Baz said something he, sh- he shouldn't have. You know, we're just going to leave me in there for 10 minutes so maybe you can think about what he said. And I was like, you know, and being conditioned by the Australian education system, it's quite normal to be locked up for 
10 minutes, 15 minutes, locked outside the room or sent to the corner of the room or whatever. Mm. You know, a little time out. Yeah, that's kind of modern parenting, right? So, okay, now Baz has his time out. Cool. So we'll hang around and see what happens. We got distracted and all of a sudden the paddy wagon's not there anymore. We're like, okay. So I go back to the policeman and I say, you know, my mate Baz that was here in the paddy wagon, uh, where did it go? Where did he go? You know, like, I, I got to give him a lift home. You know what I mean? I, I, don't, I don't need his parents. Give me a call in the morning. <laughs> um, fair enough. He said, yeah, we, we've taken him around the corner. We're going to drop him off over there. Okay, no worries. I go around the corner. There's no paddy wagon. I come back. Policeman. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, we took him to the police station. So in Newcastle, Oops, I just accidentally gave you the wrong information. Uh, so I was like, okay. Where did that come from? <laughs> I'm a public servant. Hi, guys. So, I'm a fucking kidnapper, psychopath, and a pathological liar. <laughs> Sorry about that. He did seem all those waka things. Waka Yeah. So we start walking up the hill. Could be five blocks, top of the hill, to the police station in Newcastle, like the big one. Hmm. And um, I asked the, we walk in. Like, I don't know where I'm going. The, the police station is not very obvious where. And like, I don't know, that, that building didn't seem very clear. So I'm, I'm trying to find my way through. I go on the front desk um, looking for um, a friend, Baz. Is he here? And he's like, oh, yeah. Okay, we've, we've taken him in. There's actually, I'm remembering more of the story as I'm talking about it. There's a whole series of derogatory comments from policemen to Baz because he happened to have, um, I can't remember the song, but let's say the Spice Girls as his ringtone. You know, he's, he's a funny guy, right? Um, so he copped flack from the policeman about that about we waited at least an hour before he could before he was discharged from the police station and you know he wasn't he wasn't in a, in a happy mood about what happened yeah i wonder why I, he didn't he didn't really say you know how he did i'm assuming he took his things out of his pockets i don't know they might have searched him i don't know i don't know what happened but he wasn't happy he stormed out we've all been like as much as you know i i think you know we're in a reasonable level-headed, straight-minded, you know, level. Yeah. We've been out drinking. It's late at night. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, everyone's a little bit silly. Um, but Baz walked out in the road in front of the police station um, and the, there's now four or five policemen out in the front and, have, and they've said to Baz, get off the road. I mean, and not, not nicely, like, get off the road. Get off the... What was he doing? Walking well, he, across he the walked, street or what? We're, yeah, we're walking... We're, um, we're about to continue the night. So, you know, Baz led the, the way. Yeah. We're, we're all a bit confused what happened. Like, hey, man, what happened in there? Like, you know, you're all good. Uh, and he, he just stormed across the road. So now you've got policemen yelling at him, get off the road. And this is where he's in the middle of the road and turned around and said, why do you care if I'm in the middle of the road or not? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like... I can do what I want. Yeah, yeah. This is this is when one of the policemen didn't hesitate. There was no hesitation at all. Charged towards. I.e., this was premeditated. Um, yeah, well, was you've, you've got a, a young fellow that's in an upset uh, mode uh, under the influence of alcohol, and um, by yelling at him, "Get off the road." After what's already happened... Yep, you've deliberately provoked him into, into being aggressive and then you're going to, you know, take him down. So this guy's... This policeman's grabbed him by the arm, 
Mm. Um, swung his arm around his back, so now the policeman's behind him trying to push him to the ground. Mm. Um, Baz, out of uh, it was quite impressive the way he handled it. His, his feet's gone wide, so mm. he's you know, he's increased his surface area and his balance. Right, and he he leant over quite rapidly, and a policeman hanging onto his arm has almost flipped over him, <laughs> right? You, you, can, okay. you can imagine, right? Like, uh, like, like two kids playing. Now, to myself and friend number two next to me, it was kind of funny. It's like, okay, enough mucking around. Let's continue with our night. But then as soon as we saw the first policeman almost get flipped over Baz, there was no hesitation in, there was a, there was a fat female cop mm. that I was like, you know, why even get involved? The other policeman should have let him go and said, look, he shouldn't even get involved in the first place. Yeah. But now the other lady's over and grabbed his other arm and, you know, Baz is almost uh, losing balance as he's leaning forward mm. as these two cops drag him towards the front of a police truck that's parked at the front of the police station. They're holding his head uh, against the bonnet and holding him against the, the front of the truck when, uh, you know, a third and fourth policeman have turned up to, to detain him. Like the escalation between someone being upset and marching across the road to being now pinned between four policemen in the front of a truck. Yeah, but the, well, the real escalation is, is from, from Baz being inquisitive about a paddy wagon, them kidnapping him and deliberately provoking him and, and uh, then fucking brutally assaulting him. The, the worst part was, is like, we got to, like, you know, where is, where is mates? Yeah. And as, you know, when I saw the second person grab him by the arm, it was, it was just like a natural reaction to, to want to run over. Yeah. And as, I mean, as I'm approaching them, um, as the other policemen came in, they, you know, they, one ran towards me as in to, to shove me from being involved mm-hmm. and the other ones yelled out over top, um, you want to end up like him? You want to be a hero. A hero? Oh, well, there aren't too many of those around, are there, mate? <laughs> now, the, the, the thing was, as much as I didn't want to get myself in trouble, but I felt like I had to get involved, hmm. I mean, I was flying out the next day. Like, I already had a trip booked and everything. It was like, okay, what do you do? I, I can't be detained. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the whole reason why we're out is because, you know, a couple of us are going away. Mm. Anyway, so, um, you know, as he, was, as he was held in the front of this four-wheel drive truck, um, you know, there was, there was one policeman holding him, grabbing him by the, by the hair. He, I mean, I'm not sure how. He's a, Baz had short hair and banging his head against the front of the, the bonnet and, yeah. and, and yelling stupid things like, have you had enough, mate? And it was like, what? What is this? Have you had enough, mate? Like, you know, why? Why is there four policemen now bashing my mate up? And and the the fat police female that got involved early. I mean, she she got hurt or something. As I was spinning around, someone stood on someone's foot, and so she wanted to get revenge and was kneeing kneeing her knee into the side of his thigh. And I'm sure she was saying, everyone's yelling, everyone's saying stuff. And, you know, and I'm, I'm watching my mate get beat up. And it's kind of, it's, it's weird because time, like, you don't, you don't know what to do. So time slows yeah. down and it speeds up. And what seemed like, uh, you know, something happened very quick, you know, it could have been five minutes 
of of knees, punches, and kicks, mm. and uh, you know of, of ramming against the front of front of this paddy wagon. Mm. Uh, and then he was dragged back in, dragged back in the police station, where one of the one of the cops said, "You better stay out of this, otherwise you'll be next." And I was like, all right, um, now what do we do? Well, I, I couldn't go back out. Didn't feel like going for a drink anymore. Yeah. I, I didn't know what to do. I was kind of stuck outside. So we, we hung around for a little bit and I waited to see. Um, I asked them, you know, what, what's going what's gonna to happen? Are they going to let him out or what? And they just said, look, I think he's going to stay here the night. So, we, you know, we must have hung around at least half an hour to see what was going to happen. And then we ended up going home. Um, you know, I told mum and dad about what happened. Was I, I, I honestly didn't know what to do. Mm. Like, you know, what, what, do we, what do we do now? Do I, do I call Baz's mum and dad and, and say, uh, yeah, you know, had a little incident last night? Like, you know, is it about going home and, and reporting to mum and dad, you know, what the big nasty school teachers did? Mm. Like, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand the, the, the authority or what was yeah. happening at that point. Yeah. But the next morning around 9, 30, 10 o'clock, Sunday morning, uh, Baz gave me a call and said, uh, you know, I, did, I didn't want to ring mum and dad, but do you mind giving me a lift? And we drove back into Newcastle and picked him up. I mean, it, 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 it sucked because he was limping. I could see that there was all, he still had like dried blood down his arm of where they, they probably dragged him in to the police station. He, 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 was, he was beat up pretty bad. Mm. You know, and when I looked at him, you know, I had to help him down the street, open the door for him, help him into the car like, well, like he was, he was seriously injured. Mm. And, the, and the question was, do we go to the hospital or do I take you home? Mm. And, uh, and Baz said he'd rather go home. In hindsight, he, he kind of, because, I mean, this all, of course, went to court and escalated further down that path. Yeah, of them charging him. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah, he he had to go to court and defend himself. Yeah, the, the thing it's is, fucking what? Oh, when I punched you, I broke my fist. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. I'm not sure what happened with all that. Yeah, but I know that everything was dropped at the end of it after yeah. a series wow. of court cases. Just as well. But uh, in hindsight, Baz should have went to hospital, yeah. and he should have had an official report written. Of course, yeah, yeah. But he didn't. He didn't do that. Mm. Um. Yeah, I was actually a little bit, a little bit nerve wracking just, uh, just reliving that that episode. Mm. Mm. I mean, that that could have been, I don't know, eight years ago. Mm. So that's experience number one. Yeah, I mean, they, they, these are obviously as as many experiences, but you know, these are the ones that that kind of stick with you, and you know, start um, start kind of you know picking at the sore. Of like what's going on here, mm. because um, it was although although it was my mate that got beat up, and I had to watch. It was one of those experiences that makes you question a whole lot of things. Mm. It was like you know these these policemen. What you know what was their job? How did that happen? Mm. You start wondering. They're just people. Mm. They're just people in a different shirt with a silly hat on, and that they they think that they can do certain carry out certain actions, mm. behave in a different way because they're apparently different. Yeah. Like what, what privilege they have to, to act upon the urge to use their own force against another person. 
Mm. Like that. And then, uh, well, the other story I've got was one that, one that was a little more personal. And uh, in short, it was, now let's see, how, where, where do I start with this story? Um, I've been out to a dance class. Um, I've got a full car, you know, because we, we carpool, you know, being, being teenagers, you kind of, everyone chips in for the fuel and you kind of, uh, you know, save yourself that way. I'm still flustered over the last story. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, who, who's up, who's out there beating people up? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not cool. With it. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, what happened here was I happened to have a car that stood out. So, you know, I've already attracted um, police attention just by, it, it's silly. Having you think a nice car. You, you think you, you, well, I mean, being a young guy, for some reason where I'm not even sure why I wanted to have a nice car looking back <laughs> now. But anyway, being a, being a young guy, you kind of feel like you want to have a cool car. So, you know, you need to show a little bit of your personality. So I've, so I've, I've, have, I've got a nice car. It's got big wheels. It's got shiny bits on it. And it happened to have a, an airbag system. So, you know, it, you could park and, and drop your car, changing the level of your, of your height, of your, your ride height. Is it pneumatics, not as in, like, protective for when you crash? Um, New- yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, pneumatics, yeah? Yeah. That's what they call it? Pneumatics? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, or hydraulics. Yeah, no, well, it wasn't. It wasn't hydraulic. It wasn't a hydraulic system. I was too. In, I was too involved. Okay. Now I just changed the suspension, so I had a, a four um, double-staged airbags where the spring normally goes in a, a normal wishbone suspension. Hmm. Um, so what that meant was that you know I at will I could press different switches and I could change the the individual height of the wheel in in its guard. You know, and it seemed like I'm not even sure. You don't. I don't know why kids do this stuff, but you know, I'm parked at traffic lights. I was like, you know what, time to drop my ride. Yeah. And you know, so you so, <laughs> and your car touches the ground. It, it was kind of. It was looking. I know it was pretty cool. It was pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, and then I've got this dude next to me in a in a purple, um, what looked like a Cadbury station wagon, like a. <laughs> <laughs> Cadbury purple station wagon. Yeah, okay. well, you know the ones that had Cadbury written on them? They're like a purple Holden oh. station wagon. It literally had Cadbury written on no, it. No, no, it, it didn't, but it was the same, <laughs> was the same color as Cadbury. Okay. Like, okay. <laughs> um, it could be Australia thing, but Cadbury uh, reps, like sale reps, uh-huh. had these purple wagons with Cadbury written on the side. Okay. Okay. This one did not, have, did not have Cadbury written on it. But it was a purple station wagon. Yep. And I've got this douchebag next to me looking over at me like, oh, you think you're so cool with your airbags and all your mates and your shiny wheels. That's This is what I was projecting on this guy that was okay. next to me. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so that's actually what you were thinking about. His yes. That, Cadbury purple. That's what I was thinking. Look at this douchebag with his Cadbury purple. <laughs> I, you know what? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, why? Like, Anyway, <laughs> lights turn green, press normal or up. I had four switches, so I was like four switches, bam, car lifts up, and I drive around the corner and take off. The car happened to be, you know, a five-liter V8. So, you know, it sounded cool, mm. looked cool. I'm cruising down the road. Um, this is at the top of the industrial drive intersection. Mm-hmm. 
So the speed limit's there at 80. Um, I've got this 84 model V8. Like, you know, it's not, it's not a racing machine. It's a big car. Like, you know, I, I, never, I never went fast. But, you know, it's a V8, so it doesn't have to go fast to sound good. <laughs> I wouldn't have got to the crest of the hill in front of people that are local there. There's a, there's a super cheap on top mm. of the hill. And I've got blue and red flashing lights in my revision mirror. Like, like right, and I'm like, okay, I better move over. Like, where did, where did this ambulance come from? Or, you know, emergency vehicle. I better move to my, you know, move to my, my left to get off the road. He'd let his car through. Yeah. And I'm cruising down the road. I'm like, this car won't overtake me. This ambulance won't leave me alone because I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> so why would I assume that it's policemen trying to pull me over? Yeah. But he hangs there like right on my ass and, I was, and then you feel the gulp like, all right, here we go. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. So I pull over and he's like, he, he gets out and it's the same douchebag from, uh, from the purple wagon. Yeah. Oh. And he's wearing like a Cuda Lines jacket. Like, so he's dressed like a speed dealer. He's, he, exactly. <laughs> I, okay, to... To spoil the story, he's an undercover detective. Right. Okay. On, on Sell, some, selling speed, on moving amphetamine on the street to, to maintain his identity. So, you know, he's completely, you know, he's, he's, off, he's off duty or he's undercover, like nothing to do with me. Yeah. And he approaches the window and he says, uh, you know, as he's tapping my car, like, mate, watch the paint. Like, don't, don't be touching my car. Not your lucky night, is it? I was like, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you talking to me? Who are you? I don't know you. <laughs> yeah. And, go, go away now. <laughs> and he says, uh, what do you, he asked my, my license. And, you know, I'm a naive kid. Like, you know, I never, I never thought, asked for his badge to ask who he was. Yeah. Like he's got a torch in my face. He's an intimidating voice, you know, telling me that it wasn't my lucky night. I mean, for all I knew, it was Freddy Krueger. <laughs> you, you know, like, I, don't, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. You know, I, I'm too young to be able to rationalize. I guess fear is over. As soon as I saw the blue and red lights, I'm already like gulping. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know what the hell's going on now. And I, I, I said, you know, I'm just going by the rules now. So he was like, give me your license. I'm like, all right, he's my license. Like, what an idiot. But anyway, you know, I'm a young kid. So I hand my license over. <laughs> he uh, walks back to his car. And Leaves with your license and, and steals your identity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he could have. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're hanging maybe 10 minutes, felt like half an hour or, or more. And he comes back and he says, uh, I guess it is your lucky night. Because, you know, I've got no previous infringements. So it's not like he can pull me in for anything. And, and he says, uh, but you can expect a, a fine. And I was like, well, what did I do? You know, like, what's the fine for? Mm. And he goes, mate, you were speeding. I was like, no, it wasn't. I was not speeding. Um, I, didn't, I didn't think to ask for proof. Yeah. I mean, like, I know there's, there's technology to identify whether you're speeding. Mm. Um, to cut the story short he left like that expect to find the mail what for for speeding alright okay this mate if, and I'm thinking you're full of shit nothing's going to come of it like you're just trying to you know rise you're just trying to get a rise out of me 
Mm. All right, so I went home and that was it. I laughed it off. About two months later or maybe three months, like it was, it was well beyond the time you'd expect to get a fine. Sure. I got a fine for a, a class 5C section whatever. And, and I had to look it up. Like what, what, what is this fine for? Mm. And a fine was for uh, a sustained loss of traction. <laughs> well, that sounds like uh, like like something that happens when it when it's raining a bit. Like that sounds like something you accidentally do when you lose control of the vehicle for a moment. Um, <laughs> like, I, I it thought, doesn't sound like a crime at all. I was like, okay, so I sustained loss of traction. I did a burnout, apparently, <laughs> or drifting. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. I mean, I'm not even sure. Well. It is a V8, so I guess a car could do it. The point is, it I didn't. It didn't happen. Yeah. But how do I? What I have to do? I have to say. You know, he uh, well, he accused you of speeding, but now uh, when the fine arrives, actually, it's a sustained loss of traction. So, you know, just just invent whatever. See whatever you whatever you think will will stick. Just just send it out. Who yeah. cares, right? Who cares about facts? So I understand that you know policemen have this this issue with, you know, like society and culture painting them with maybe the wrong end of the stick. But you, you wonder <laughs> why. An interesting metaphor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, like how does this happen? Well, this, yeah. is, this is how it happens. You, you, you mess with the public. You abuse your power. You, you write fines out for, for stupid things that didn't even happen. Mm. You, you beat up, you know, innocent kids that are out having a good night. Yep. Um, or you just you just talk like an idiot. You just talk to people like they're not people. You forget mm. that, that you're just another common citizen as well, and you, 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 you I don't know. You put a hat on. And you think you're more. You think you you can you can mistreat people. Mm. Mm. It's like it's, it's no different to um to like a, a park ranger that that likes to hit kangaroos. It's like you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like why. There's, you're there's, a little park ranger. You got your little badge. You got badges. your little authority, and now you feel like you're somebody important. But you ain't. No. Uh, you know, it came up on Tumblr the other day. Someone made they gave this little analysis, like the, this, this, these words you might hear sometimes. Well, if you're not going to respect me, I'm not going to respect you. But there's actually two meanings of the word respect in this sentence. So, so it's a, a, li- a little puzzle for you. Um, like respect can can mean um, treating someone like they're a person, treating them well, you know, um, not interrupting them or, or you know, um, just being being nice to them or being amicable. Uh, but respect can also mean uh, believing in someone's authority, believing that someone is important, and, and uh, allowing them to 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 do things that that you wouldn't allow other people to do, like respecting their a privilege respecting their authority. Um, but in this sentence, if you're not going to respect me, I'm not going to respect you. But it actually means if you're not going to respect my authority, then I'm not going to respect you as a person. And that's the kind of attitude you see among police officers that they, they act like they're superior. And I don't know exactly how it comes about. If it's part of the recruitment process, or it's a it's it's a culture that's that strongly worked its way in, in there, or it's just that these these um, these positions are attractive to people who want power and, and want to abuse power, and that that um, these positions are corruptible because 
people in them have power. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why police as a system is not a good system. It's actually a, a, a fallible system. It's a system. It's not a system that that uh, takes advantage of the best parts of human nature. It's actually a system which encourages the worst parts of human nature. And that is, by definition, a bad system. So, uh, being involved in this bad system, hmm. I need to try to look at the, the good points. Like, you know, what positives can I draw out of these out of these situations or these experiences. Mm. And unfortunately, the only good that for me has come out of these yeah. is realizing what it is for what it is. Mm. Like all it did was shed light on that while there's the option to, for someone to abuse their authority and their force, there's going to be people that are, that's going to take that option. Mm. Like this, this concept of free will you know, not everyone is is uh, ready to operate with authority. Mm. So, what happened in the end with the with the fine? Okay, for loss of traction. This is the uh, this is a sad part because mm. um, the fine was nearly a grand, like <laughs> nine hundred bucks or something, and <laughs> so there was no way that I was going to pay it because, okay, maybe. If there was a speeding ticket turned up and it was maybe like 100, 200 bucks, yeah. it'd be like, this is unjust, but it's not worth me taking days off work, going to court, dealing with all this. Give me the two points, I pay the fine, and we'll move on. Mm. Even that would have been tough because, I mean, I, I was angry. Like, you know, this, mm. is, this is like, this is a, a, the system's broken. Like, how can this happen? Yeah. Um, no, but it wasn't. It was a thousand dollars ish, and it was something that didn't even happen. So I said, "Okay, we're going to court." I sent away. We're going to court. The police made me come in and, and pick up their statements. Statements because there was a statement made by a female officer, which wasn't even there, which mm. apparently was her. Well, apparently was there, but <laughs> there, was, there was issues with um, discrepancies with the color of my car. Mm-hmm. which direction I turned at the lights, which traffic lights it was. I think the street name might have been. Her report was bogus. <laughs> um, but, of course, that didn't matter because the judge uh, at the end of it had to say, um, we're going to take your money anyway. What do you think about that? He was like, <laughs> whatever, it's time for lunch. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, um, yeah, shut up, you. You've spoken enough. <laughs> Um, I have to go, I understand it's a, it's a word against word, my word against the police. I have to go, I have to go with the 30 plus years of honorable police experience. <laughs> what honor? I'm sure there was, I'm sure there was so much honor in those 30 years. Cause obviously, it, you know, you can tell, you, you can tell by this one act that the, the culmination of their honor, that, that, that they've obviously lead, led uh, very honest lives up to that point, without a doubt, without question. I mean, yeah, these are good cops, of course. You know what I just realized? Yeah. I didn't even, I don't know what happened after that. Okay. I didn't care. I, I walked out and I thought, you know what, this is, BS. Mm. This is this doesn't work. I didn't pay court fees. I didn't even check if my license had points on it. 
I didn't, I didn't pay any fine. I just walked out and ignored it. <laughs> but I was, I was fuming. I thought, I know who these cops are. Yeah. I know who, what their names are. Won't be hard to work out where they live. You know, I'm going to go slash their tires and throw bricks through their front windows. Mm. You know, I, I was a young kid. So mm. I, I, was, I was just, um, I wasn't controlling my reactions. Yeah. And I'm playing out all these scenarios of, you know, you want justice, I'll get my justice. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that makes, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's probably not the best way to go about it, but, but your motivations make sense because obviously the system has failed you. These people have, have taken advantage of you using this, this, this system, this, the system that's meant to be upholding justice. And, of course, you feel cheated because they did cheat you. And, and then you, you, um, you want to seek justice in any form possible. So, you know, the, 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 the reaction is entirely understandable. Yeah, and, and it's not just the outcome. It was the whole process. Mm. Like the police prosecutor, he, he would walk out of the courtroom laughing, you know, laughing with his police buddies like, was I scary enough? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it was like the witnesses were was like my, my friends. And, you know, maybe, maybe it was a bit much to ask them to go in there and defend me and, and to, you know, for me to cross-reference my own friends and, and whatever. I look back now and think, what a complete waste of time mm. because you don't get justice. My dad would tell me, calm down. This happens. Mm. Don't be silly. You know, don't do anything silly now. Mm. You know, eye to eye, dad's saying, you know, don't look up where they live. <laughs> What's that going to achieve? Don't do anything dumb. Mm. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, dad knows me well, I think. Mm. The thing is, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I just kind of let it slip. And, uh, and now I'm like, you know what? The positive of this whole situation was that what happened was I lost respect for the system. Mm. I lost respect for everyone that's involved. Mm. And I started asking a lot of questions. And that's, that's all you can do, really. Yeah. Because yeah, well, that's, uh, that's one of the most important things you can do. Ever, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and that keeps you out of trouble. <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> I'm in a lot of yeah. trouble. <laughs> I, I, I fell down the rabbit hole. Cool. That, that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, well, uh, this, is, this has been uh, an extended episode and I, I think we better wrap it up. So, my name's Kurt Robinson. And my name's Aaron Battle. So, you can hit me up on Twitter at TroubleBubble. Uh, hit me up and uh, at Battle AZ. Yep. Uh, head on over to Facebook. Press like on Facebook. Press hover over the like button. Press get notifications. Head on over t- to iTunes and press subscribe on iTunes. Press subscribe on Pocket Cast and Podcast Addict. Uh, jump on over to theparadiseparadox.com. You can look through our content. We've got a lot of great content on there, a lot of interesting episodes about all kinds of topics, talking about uh, whether the moon laying these were real or whether... Aaron wears pink underwear. Nobody knows the answer to that question. You're never going to find out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, <laughs> um, and then you can jump on over. You see, you notice at the top, you see a button that says D- donate, or you can go to donate.theparadiseparadox.com, and uh, that just means you can show us a little token of respect, a token of support. If you enjoy one of what we're doing, if you had a few laughs, if you got fired up about police, if it opened your eyes then show us some love in a monetary sense or, you know, in, in other senses you can comment, um, tell us some ideas, mm-hmm. uh, tell us what you think. 
And uh, then you see on the paradiseparadox.com at the top, it has a shop Amazon link. So you can jump on through to Amazon. Uh, that's another way you can help us out. So we just get a small commission. So you might want to read something like uh, Mark Stevens. I'm struggling to remember the name. The second book is Government Indicted and it's got an, another one as well. I'll put the link in the description. Those are, those are very interesting books talking about the law and making you question whether maybe the law is just a kind of public relations scheme for a criminal organization. Um, so the, those are some very interesting books. And what else? I'm just thinking all the ridiculous things I can buy on Amazon. <laughs> cool. What, what are they? Uh, a Bowie knife. <laughs> cool. <laughs> For slashing those tires. <laughs> <laughs> Never know when you might need to slash in tires and escape from some rogue police officers. Cool. That's true. Okay. Um, so, yeah, go jump on over to YouTube. Press subscribe on YouTube there too and uh, leave, us a, leave us a review on uh, iTunes. Um, that's everything, right? Yep. Yeah. Stay cool. Okay. Yeah. Stay peaceful. Don't Peace. don't do anything you might regret. <laughs> and uh, remember, no such thing as a good cop. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>